0: Hello and welcome to the December 10th, 2020 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to have everybody here with me today, and of course, it's always wonderful to be out there with you as well. So, how do we start? Well, I think we start and we address the uh, most crucial aspects of what has been going on with Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast, and several of you have reached out to me to indicate that my latest two episodes that were recorded uh, have not been playing very well. And I apologize for that. I want you to know that I have reached out to the support team over at Podbean, and they are usually very helpful. Uh, I wasn't impressed with their response this time around because they told me that everything seems to be working fine. I would imagine because I did make those episodes at first part of my patron program, meaning that they were pay episodes, uh, which they are now free, I would imagine the switch-up, is what caused that problem because many people have told me they were uh, told to enter a password and a username and things of that nature so we're going to keep everything for free right now which is really the way I would rather do things Um, I'm not a salesman but I'm going to sell this to you my Facebook um, I don't know why I I mean I've been told that Facebook is the way to go So I'm going with it. And if you could like the page, if you could find me and friend me and all those things, I don't have links and usernames for you. I'm sorry. I just don't. And I don't think you need me to apologize because you're probably like, thank God, I don't need to hear this nonsense on a podcast because it's advertising. And Mr. Joe is not into advertising. But I would like you to reach out to me on Facebook, Twitter. It, it gives us an opportunity, rather than emailing back and forth where I can address any of the concerns that you might have, uh, it gives us that social media outlet, which is awesome. So um, let's, let's communicate on there if you can. It would be really, really uh, appreciated by me. So enough with that. My latest two episodes, whether they have been listened to or not, By my audience. Let's get one thing out in the open and make this perfectly clear. I sound like an absolute maniac. I do. I sound like a a complete wound up wackadoo in those two episodes. And it's a very simple explanation. And I think those of you who share the same diagnosis as Mr. Joe know that I was manic. both episodes, highly, highly manic. So what now becomes the difference? Because I still feel like my rate of speech is definitely um, more intense than usually, but I believe I have kind of dipped down into that hypomanic phase where I'm actually able to recognize some of my idiotic moves and idiotic phrases and ridiculous comments, and I, I don't know how much any of my audience will even recognize that because you have all been so supportive over the past, but let's let's get down to the nitty-gritty here. I sound like a, a nut. Now, whether or not the information is valuable, that's a whole nother story, but, you know, I sound like a complete nut, so um, I apologize for that. I think I'm toning it down just a bit here for this particular recording. We have a lot to discuss today, Um, We're going to get into that in just about one moment, but like I always do, I I love to update my audience on what I'm feeling and where I've been over the course of the last few weeks, and um, I will tell you this, that I've been really living with more mania than ever, and if you're a fan of Mr. Joe's podcast, you will know that that is something that um, I've been struggling with for a very, very long time. The depressive episodes are far and few in between, although I will say that they have definitely hit me over the course of the last couple of months. Again, the duration is relatively small in comparison to what they used to be. The intensity is not as severe. But I want to say this, because I've been wanting to say it for a long time, since I thought about recording this particular episode. You know, sometimes Mr. Joe may come off like this person who can give an enormous amount of support, mainly because I've lived it, I've done it, and I've recovered through it. And whether you're talking about mental illness or addiction, you know, both, both are applicable. But here's the truth. Mr. Joe hasn't recovered from anything. Yes, the addiction, great. I mean, once an addict, always an addict. We understand that. But in terms of my mental health, I need everybody to understand that Mr. Joe is not this person who is now invulnerable to the ups and downs of bipolar disorder. Because just the other day I was thinking, and I said again, I can't wait to share this on my episode, I was talking to myself because I felt so out of whack. I really did. I was depressed. I was just plain right sad, almost had that feeling of just nothingness nothingness you know you know that feeling where you just feel nothing and I kept telling myself over and over again to fight through it and battle through it and this feeling will go away and you'll get there and you know why do you feel like this and I don't know I just don't know but what I do know is that even when I tell myself to get over it like many people will do in our lives When they just don't understand depression and they say, get over it. Well, even when I try to coach myself and say, Mr. Joe, get over it. I can't. No matter how hard I try, I can't pull myself out of it. So I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I understand when you're just baffled. Literally baffled by the way that your brain is currently working. How on earth can I be so darn happy one day, and then wake up the next, and I feel like my entire life has done a 360-degree flip-flop where I am no longer talkative, no longer happy, no longer patient, very irritable, very anxious, and you know what? Downright depressed. And again, it may not happen for a very long time, but I don't want it to happen at all. And the fact that I cannot pull myself out of it, other than using time as my motivational source to, you know, become quote-unquote normal again, it's really what it takes with Mr. Joe is just time. And I just kind of count down the minutes and the seconds, you know, to see, well, when the heck am I going to feel better? And, unfortunately, you know, it just doesn't happen like that. It really doesn't. It does not happen like that. Um, but, you know what? I'm feeling all right today. I mean, and, again, as you guys know, it's up and down and up and down. And, uh, you know, if anybody knows, I certainly know. So there is my update on my mood. I, I updated you on my Facebook and my Twitter. Um, the Twitter, by the way, is Mr. Bipolar Joe, and I believe it's the same on Facebook. But go ahead and like that page. Now, in front of me, I have what's called the DSM 5. And uh, as you know, Mr. Joe is not a, a big fan of reading things and articles and information over on a podcast. That's boring. It really is. But for the purposes of this particular podcast, I think it's really important that I have this diagnostic criteria right in front of my face mainly because I can't see anymore. (laughs) You know, I'm going to say this. I've got to interrupt myself for one moment here. My eyesight. Now, I've, I've never been able to see far away. That's just, you know, please. I mean, I was, and by the way, I was so vain and so worried about what everybody else in my life thought of me, even as early as fourth grade. And I'm sure I've said these things before. But as early as fourth grade, when I first got my glasses, when I couldn't hit a baseball for the life of me because I couldn't see it, I still recall my mom coming into some kind of an observation in my fourth grade class where all the moms would kind of sit and watch the teacher work and, um, you know, all their, all the students interact and, you know, this is going back many, many years ago, but I still remember my teacher writing something on the board And I tiptoed past all the parents to go to my cubby to retrieve my seeing eyeglasses for distance. Because I knew my mom was there and she was going to be like, well, what the heck? I know my son can't see the board. Why is he not wearing his glasses? And I was mortified. Mortified, not only just to walk past everybody, but to put them on. I used to sit in the back of science class and push. Now, if you push, if you, if you have bad vision, okay, you know, and that's why squinting sometimes helps, but if you take your fingers and you push the bottom of your eyeball, you know, right on the bottom eyelid, and you push in a little bit, it causes you to squint. So I used to sit like a young wackadoo right in the back of the classroom, pushing my eyeballs in so that I could see the board, because I refused to put on my glasses, because that's what I was taught. I was taught to always present And what you feel is your best self. And that was not what I felt was my best self. I felt ugly. I felt vulnerable. And you know, those were things that were embedded into my mind. And I'm not saying that my parents said, Oh, you look ugly with your glasses on. That's not what happened. But to me, that was imperfection and that was not acceptable. Having imperfect eyesight was not acceptable, so I didn't wear glasses and I struggled for a very long time. And now here we are, 45 years old. Never in my life did I ever think I would need reading glasses, but when I tell you, I cannot see a damn thing. When I'm in the gym and I'm doing a little workout or something and my phone goes off, and I mean, I can't even read it. I must have my magnifying, you know, font on my phone at like level 9 billion, honestly, I know that sounds ridiculous, but uh, (laughs) Mr. Joker get a little carried away with my, um, you know, sarcasm and things of that nature, but um, I can't see, I can't see, so point being is I have a book in front of my face right now that thank goodness I have my glasses and I am going to be able to read it and see it, so here's what it comes down to, the long and the short of everything, is very simple as we get older most of the times our vision tends to go and that stinks man it's not something that i've um you know that i expected but we will work through it so what are we speaking about today well what else but narcissistic personality disorder i mean how on earth we have been around for four seasons This being our fourth, and and Mr. Joe not doing an episode on this is just beyond my imagination. But, here's what it proves even more so. Those of us that are abused victims of narcissists do not even realize it. To the extent where if you do a bipolar podcast and address every mental illness known to mankind... You don't even cover that topic because you just don't know what it is. Because your exposure to it has been so debilit—just so demeaning and debilitating and destructive that you almost kind of, you know, push it out of your mind. Somewhat like, you know, somebody who was sexually abused or emotionally abused, like myself and my sister, or narcissistically abused by my mother. I mean, that's ultimately why my father is dead, That's the God's honest truth, and let me tell you, he's happier where he is. He is definitely happier up there. We're not, but, you know, he's happier because it is nearly impossible to be married to somebody with narcissistic personality disorder. Now, we're going to go out on a limb here and try something different for Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. We are not going to have a single mention of my mother, and we are not going to have a single mention of my wife right now at all. Let's, let's forget about them. Let's forget about them. And let's put Mr. Joe in the middle of all this. Because as sad as it sounds, and I know I've recently discussed this on a recent episode, but although I consider myself to be a victim of narcissism, there is no doubt in my mind that Mr. Joe was 100% a narcissist as well. And it's embarrassing, it's horrifying, but it's the truth. It is what it is. And I have not read the diagnostic criteria, so this is going to be my first time. I'm on page 669 for those of you who have a DSM-5. I promise I won't make this boring. We will stop and we will discuss every single thing that I talk about. But let's talk about this, okay? Let's talk about the definition that's given within the DSM-5. It is a pervasive pattern of grandiosity, which means, very simply, in fantasy or behavior... Okay, A need for admiration and lack of empathy beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts as indicated by five or more of the following. So, I'm going to read that in one second, but let's stop and let's talk about that. Grandiosity. Fantasy. Okay. Uh, Mr. Joe thinking that he's the most famous podcaster on the face of this earth. Far from the truth. Mr. Joe, being a 14, 15-year-old young man thinking I am the best baseball player to ever walk the face of this earth, could not be further from the truth. The need for admiration, (laughs) that's all I I would seek. Admire me, admire Mr. Joe. Helping others was always important to me. Which is why I got by in life, because I still had that aspect. I still had that that dose of kindness and caringness and love that was, you know, just embedded within me. But that doesn't mean that I wasn't a complete piece of garbage, really. A lack of empathy... And, um, you know, let's get into it now. I mean, because this is really where the nitty gritty comes in. So number one, remember, we've got to have five or more of the following. And let's see what Mr. Joe has and doesn't has. Has a grandiose sense of self-importance, exaggerates achievements and talents, expects to be recognized as superior. <sighs> well, there it is. I've discussed many times over the fact that I lost every single friend that I had in ninth grade. Okay, Mr. Joe sat at the... And I said it a thousand times. Mr. Joe sat in the front of the bus and had spitballs thrown at him or spit at him. <laughs> that makes a little bit more sense. Sat at a lunch table by myself with no friends. Um, And why? Because I thought I was the best thing on the face of the earth. I dated every girl in high school. I, I mean, and, and because of that, Because of what was embedded into my brain, I had this self-importance, sense of self-importance where I just needed attention constantly, admiration. And you know what? I can't think of anything offhand right now. But let me tell you, if I wasn't getting that admiration or that attention, you best believe that I would make up something. I would exaggerate some kind of an achievement or some kind of a talent. I, I would, I would, because if I'm not getting the attention that I need, I'm going to say it in in more ways than one, not say, give me the attention, but I will start to talk about something that Mr. Jode has done, you know, to, to achieve all of that attention. I mean, it just is the way that it is. So, uh, number two, Is preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love? Absolutely. 100%. I mean, for my entire life, I thought that I was going to be a baseball player. Um, For my entire life, I thought I'd be a movie star. (laughs) For my entire life, I thought I would be a radio host. I really did. Now... What's the difference here? Are these goals or are these fantasies? Well, I'd say they're fantasies because I had unlimited success with all of those things as I grew older. I no longer cared about baseball. I no longer cared about being in films. I no longer cared about having my voice on the air. But yet, I still presented like I had all the power, all the brilliance, all the beauty that one could possibly have. And was it a show? Absolutely. Just a show. That's all it is. Here's one of the most disturbing fantasies that Mr. Joe would have. And and listen, I know there are a great number of people out there that will do this also, who sing in their car and pretend they're the singer. And, you know, Mr. Joe takes it a step further, man. I, I mean, I, I envision myself on a stage, at a concert, with people watching me. And I mean, you know, performing. It's not happening anytime soon. But yet I make these fantasies up in my brain. And it, it's fun to do that sometimes. But the the scary part is, is when you actually believe that you can accomplish these things. That's the difference between setting goals for yourself... And having this ridiculous fantasy of unlimited success. Number three. Believes that he or she is special and unique and can only be understood by or should be associated with other special or high status people or institutions. I mean, it kind of feeds off the second one. Yeah, I mean, I did. I felt like I was special my entire life. I'm going to try my best to leave my mom out of this. I really am. But you know what? I can't help it. She believed she was special and unique because she had the most expensive cars in the driveway. And only the neighbors who had cars that were within the similar price range as Mommy Dearest, well, they were the only ones that she could really, you know, relate to. And the only ones that could relate to her and the only ones that she could associate with. It's a very simple, straightforward fact that I thought I was special. Do I think I'm special anymore? No, I actually don't. I think I present special topics. I think I I address a very special topic that the world is dealing with in terms of mental illness, but I'm not special, not by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, when you're young and you're told that you do everything with perfection, you believe that you're special. Okay, number four, and these are starting to sound somewhat um, identical to one another, but requires excessive admiration, and it's very simple. If I didn't hear compliments around the clock, well, you know what? I was down. I really was. It was, you know, my whole attitude would change. If I didn't get admired and um, complimented, that's it. I would actually dip down in, into somewhat of a depression and that's when all of those other tactics start to come out as a narcissist where you then start to make up accolades and make up accomplishments because you're in such desperate need for that admiration that you know you better you better re the thinking of others so that they all know that you're the best on earth has a sense of entitlement, unreasonable expectations of especially favorable treatment or automatic compliance with his or her expectations. I apologize for that. So really, what is it? it has a sense of entitlement. And um, entitlement meaning, you know what? I'm the one that you should be dating. I'm the one that is at least in the top three best looking in high school. I'm the one that knows how to perform the best in bed, sexually. I sound like a complete loser. Complete loser. But when you feel like that, which I did, I did for a very long time. When you feel just like that, well, guess what? That's a sense of entitlement, and if if I'm the best at all those things, you best believe I'm going to feel entitled. All right, let's go to number six. Takes advantage of others to achieve his or her own ends. Well, let's see. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, we said five or more of the following would um would produce that diagnostic criteria or that diagnosis per se, and all all of a sudden I'm looking, and I'm one, two, three, four, five, I've I've met all five thus far. Do I meet them anymore? No, I do not. I really do not. Um, I have a better sense of who I am, and I know that I am not those things anymore. But um, as we get to number six here, I say to myself, well, Mr. Joe's already kind of, you know, (laughs) already the one that has uh, gotten that diagnosis in the first five Um, possible outcomes but do I take advantage of others to achieve my own ends that that I cannot recall ever doing I really can't I cannot recall taking advantage of anyone else now I know somebody who has who lives her entire life doing that but I just don't I just don't think that I ever engaged in that type of stuff now You know, what are some of the things that um, people might do in terms of taking advantage of others or being interpersonally exploitative? Well, when a person makes you feel guilty over and over and over again, that's taking advantage. When you really haven't done anything wrong, but you blame, you you in, impose guilt on others because you have something that you're trying to accomplish for yourself. And a person with narcissistic personality disorder will take advantage of everyone and anything to achieve what they want. It's as simple as that. Lacks empathy. Is unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others? Listen, guys... As much as Mr. Joe sits here and says that I care about the rest of the world and the mental illness and the substance abuse and the bipolar and all those things, let me tell you something. I did not identify with the feelings and needs of others when I was younger. There's no way. It was all about me. All about me. It's when you have narcissism, guys, you know... It's very simple. People with this personality disorder, they well, they generally have that lack of empathy and they have a very difficult time recognizing what other people's want. Um, they can't recognize any kind of subjective experiences and the feelings of others. And they really, a lot of times, and again, you know, People with this personality disorder, they may even assume that others are totally concerned about their welfare. And that's the only thing they're concerned about. That their entire life revolves around me. That's why they live. That's why they're here. It's all about me. They don't have feelings. They don't have needs. That's, that's what it's all about. And let me tell you something, okay, and again, am I going out on a limb here saying this? You best believe it, but guess what, again, how many times have I discussed the fact that if Mr. Joe is not honest, what good is it? Oh, wow, wait, hold on, I'm looking at number eight, here we go, Um, because I was just about to talk about number eight, because we, as narcissists, well, we are often envious of others. And we believe that others are jealous of us as well. And that's actually number eight is often envious of others or believes that others are envious of him or her. So I apologize for um, repeating that, but that's really what it comes down to. And if others receive acknowledgement or praise for the things that we've done, we don't like that. We don't like that at all. Because the attention's not on us. Now, number nine, shows arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. I mean, listen, I could probably spend two hours on number nine about myself. Arrogant is not even the word. I, I, I cannot express this any more deeply than I have. I thought for my entire life that I was perfect in every way imaginable. Every way absolutely every single way imaginable i was arrogant i was self-centered i was conceited i i mean there's just no words to explain the overconfidence is just was just overwhelming at times now listen a lot of these attributes we can also discuss when we talk about mania because you know when we're manic these are these are things that we feel also but what really indicates to mr joe that i am or at least i was a narcissist was my behavior towards the opposite sex and what do i mean by that well first off and for i'm I'm very lucky to have a woman who loves me and contends with me and who i love very dearly but uh you know, discussing my life before my marriage and who I was and what I did to women. It was like an ownership. It was an ownership. If, if I didn't get that attention completely from that person, from that girlfriend, if I didn't get all every last ounce of information regarding their sexual history and their past and the things that they did with their other boyfriends, and just so I could compare them to me. That's the only reason why I did it. And like a complete wackadoo, somebody who gets mad at the past, because that's what I did too, I would be angry. These women had a life before Mr. Joe, they were not all virgins. OK, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to get down and dirty here, but that's what it comes down to. That is none of our business. None. And again, that that becomes part of the paranoia with Mr. Joe. But you know what? It really is. As far as I'm concerned, it's more of the narcissism than anything. The paranoia sets in when we get the information and then we develop our own consequences from them. And, uh, you know, we make our own stories up in our minds. Okay, so you slept with A, you slept with B, and you slept with C. Well, how many times did you sleep with B? Did you enjoy it with B? Was he better than me? I mean, you know, all, all these things that go on in a narcissist's mind. Because again, we need to be the best. That's what matters. Narcissists lie, they cheat, they steal. And when I say steal, they don't necessarily steal physically objects. They steal feelings and um, emotions, and they drain you to a point where a narcissist will make you feel like you're going insane. Because they, no matter what, they are always the victims. We're to blame. We're the ones that don't have a good heart. You know, a narcissist, they're the most important thing in the world. And how dare others not give that attention to the narcissist. And you know what? When all else fails, maybe, maybe I got to buy that person something so I could reel them in again and make sure that they're part of my narcissism circle so that I can continue to abuse them. Maybe I got to give them money. Maybe I have to compliment them to no end. So that I could obtain what I really want, and that's to own that person. Listen, many of you will discover me. Let's be let's be real, guys, okay? There is probably ten percent of the listeners out there that know me. So that's one out of every ten people might have recognized with my voice. And that says two things to me. One, there are a lot of mentally ill people out there. That's number one. Two, um, i don't even know what number two is, but let's let 's put it this way. What I wanted to say is there are many people out there, and there'll be probably quite a few that maybe even you know dated Mr. Joe. who knows who knows? but you know what? If you did, you're going to know you're going to recognize and remember the jealousy, the um, the cheating, the lying that, that's that's what went on because it was all about Mr. Joe, that was the most important thing, you know, and yes, was there part of, was there bipolar mixed in there? Yes, absolutely, because when we're manic, we don't care about consequences, we do whatever the hell we want, we sleep with whoever we want, and we charm whoever we want. I have to say that my most concerning personality flaw as I was growing up And I made my way into adulthood was the simple fact that I could sweep people off their feet. And I did so intentionally so that I could make them feel in a way where they owed me everything. And because I feel this way about them, because I have placed them and put them up on a pedestal. Well, they can't can't do anything wrong. They don't want to do anything to hurt me. So even when they feel like they're right, they're wrong. And I'll convince them that they're wrong. That's what a narcissist does. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Thank goodness. But but again, it, has, it takes us a very, very long time. I apologize. I'm looking for my glasses. God, I sound like a nut. Um, go figure. They're right on top of my head. I, I mean, this is, you know, the memory stuff is getting even worse and worse. But I got my glasses on because I wanted to take a quick look at this, um, this manual here. And it says, let's see, anything interesting, Uh, associated features. Okay. Vulnerability and self-esteem. Uh, well, you know what? That's true. Mr. Joe was very, very, um, upset when he was criticized or lost something. And although I, you know, might not have shown it outwardly, I mean, those feelings would leave me empty for a very, very long time. And I would act with rage and I would counterattack. And, you know, um, because that's what we do. Narcissists, that's what we do. You know, we're unwilling to care about others' feelings. What does it all mean? I mean, really what it means is that we're screwed up. Well, screwed up. Narcissists are messed up, man. Many of us have substance abuse disorders, especially related to cocaine. Okay, you, you talk about histrionic, borderline, antisocial—you know, something like um, paranoid personality disorder. Those are all embedded within narcissism. We narcissists expect to be given whatever we want. I keep saying we. But you know what? I'm going to use we because I don't care. Because this is who I was and even though it's not me anymore, when I discuss bipolar, I say we. When I start uh, discuss addiction, I say we because you know, even though I'm not addicted to any drugs, it's we. It's we. But we expect to be given whatever we want, no matter what it might mean to another person. I mean, uh, you know, no regard. No regard for another person's life. And really, we only want to move forward with those who are going to bloat and boost our self-esteem. That's what we look for. And guys, listen, man, if you feel like you have any of these things, you need to stop and check yourself. You really do. You need to sit back and think, like, am I this? Because we don't recognize it. We don't see these things. Now, granted, I was young. But do you think that I saw it coming when my friends were going to say, you know, you're too conceited and, you know, you think you're the best? And, but I did. I did. I deserved to lose all those people. And you know what? I don't even know if I deserved to gain them back. Because my narcissism, as far as I'm concerned, continued into college. My narcissism continued into adulthood. My narcissism, my bipolar, my depression, my anxiety, my paranoia, it, it all, it all flowed right into my adulthood. You know, we learn from the people that raise us and the people that supposedly love us, and ultimately that's what we become, you know, and it it scares the living hell out of me, guys, because, you know, when I think about my mom's side of the family, my great-grandma, my grandma, my mom, I mean, my God, it's like identical, the situations that my great-grandmother and my grandmother both passed away in the same exact nursing home, I mean, you know, both were completely shot in terms of their desire, their motivation. They didn't want to walk anymore. They didn't want to, you know, take care of themselves. They didn't want to use the bathroom. I mean, these are things that they've become, and this is what my mother's becoming. And my prayer is that I don't follow in the footsteps Um, And I don't think that I will. And and mainly because I have a wonderful support system here now. And who, who is that support system? That support system is my audience, my family, my children. And believe it or not, most importantly, myself. Because until you believe in yourself that you could actually be a better person, until you actually put that effort in, None of it matters. None of it matters. How many times have I said to Mr. Joe that, how many times have I said, how many times has Mr. Joe said that we simply cannot get the help that we need if we just don't want to help ourselves? You could send an ambulance. You could send a whole SWAT team to drag me out by my ears to go to a hospital. And if I don't want to go, I'm not going. That's the way we are. By the way, narcissists, all we do is talk about ourselves, too. (laughs) And I hope that is not what this seems like as I produce this podcast. What I do, guys, and you know this, and you've known this from the, the, the very early episodes of Mr. Joe, I use my life as an example for the things that I don't want anybody else out there to do. I don't want anybody to be like Mr. Joe used to be. I want people to listen and try to recognize their selves and any of the concerns that they might have for themselves and stop and think because usually we're not concerned because we are number one we're the best we know it all you know we're right you're wrong doesn't matter we're going to make you seem like you're absolutely out of your mind and in the end we're going to win We're going to win for one of two reasons. One, because nobody wants to put up with our anger and our temper tantrums and our violence. Or two, because we've made that particular person so confused and so guilty, or we're just complete liars ourselves, that we've tricked that person into believing that they are the wrong ones. And for so many years, like a puppet, like a little puppy, little Mr. Joe puppy, I would just center my life around appeasing that woman, meaning, you know, M-O-M. That's all I cared about was appeasing her and, and making sure that I looked perfect to her because, honestly, I was an extension of her. And if I didn't look good, she didn't look good. And if she didn't look good, you best believe it, Mr. Joe was going to hear it. So I got to make sure that I look good. And and you know, what's so sad is I actually think back to me losing my friends and how I desperately needed support from somebody, my own family maybe. And I just recall them being so dismissive of it. You know, like, oh, well, oh, well, I, I had a friend growing up and he lived in the neighborhood and then his parents got divorced. They moved away and You know, I don't talk to him as much as I used to anymore. Man, this, this guy was my brother. This man was one of the nicest people on the face of this earth and still is. Still is. He was my best friend in the world. Him and I got in big trouble one night. We were out gallivanting at four o'clock in the morning, (laughs) you know, trying to go to girls' houses and get inside, you know, the big sneak out days. That's what we called it, sneaking out. And, you know, we did so together. We got in trouble together. And the next thing I know, when I was punished for doing what I did and getting caught and brought home by the police... I was isolated and segregated from all of my friends, which led to them all being together and kind of, you know, ganging up and grouping up and saying, well, we don't want him back. What do we need him for? Look at, we, now that we don't have him, you know, we got more attention on us because he's not suffocating everybody in the room. I lost one of my dearest, closest friends when I was in ninth grade because of that, and I deserved it. I deserved it. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, later on in life, he forgave me and everybody else forgave me. And, um, but, but the truth is, how much of it was an act even moving forward, meaning that even though I knew I lost friends because of my conceit, ultimately, subconsciously, internally, I never gave a crap. I, I still thought I was great still thought I was great but here is what's great now what's great now is a simple fact that I have decided to maintain my podcast I've been very vocal out there people know that Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast is back I know that many of you on Facebook have discovered the simple fact that you know I went to high school with this guy or college with this guy, and um, I ask those of you who might have recognized my voice, please just keep it quiet. I mean, I don't know what else to say. There's going to come a time when Mr. Joe will feel comfortable enough to expose myself to the world, Uh, meaning, like, you'll see my face, you know, so just contend with me for a little while with those of you who do know me, because there's probably a population of, like, 95 percent Of my listeners who have no idea who I am. And I'd like to keep it that way simply because I want my family to be private. I don't want anybody to be bothered in my family. And unfortunately, which is the saddest of all, is that stigma still surrounds mental illness. That's it. It's as simple as that. That stigma will always be around mental illness, as far as I'm concerned. We have not made any true real gains in terms of recognizing others and their mental illness and separating them, or at least, I shouldn't say separating them, in, including them, complete wrong word, including them in the terms when we discuss sicknesses and illnesses, terms meaning cancer and brain damage and, um, you know, diabetes and where is the bipolar in that conversation, usually nowhere which is why mr joe decided to remain anonymous and um you know but you best believe that this podcast is going to be around for ever, for as long as mr joe will be around this pod and i know i've said that before but um th- this is it i mean people need this people need to hear that there are others out there just like us yeah so are we a little crazy absolutely no doubt about it Uh, do we get angry and violent do we abuse drugs and alcohol yes we do all of those things we do and you want to know something there's a hell of a lot of you out there that are doing all those things that are either not admitting it pushing it aside pretending that's not you thinking that you don't have a problem when you actually do And you just continue to, you know, live your life like nothing is wrong. But, you know, eventually we get to a point where we just know. We know something is severely wrong. And whether it takes you having to smash your head into a wall, to get into a car accident while you're drinking and driving, to be arrested, to lose a license, to lose a certificate, whatever it may be, the consequences, when we finally think we've hit rock bottom, sadly, we actually haven't hit rock bottom there's a couple more rock bottoms after that but we get to a point where we can contend and we can cope and where we're actually happy to be here and god i am so happy to be here and to be back It's a long episode, guys. Listen, if you are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask that you continue to work hard. If you love, you care about somebody with a mental illness or a drug addiction for that matter, continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness, please continue to fight, continue to battle, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I am back. I can't wait to see you guys again real soon.